grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey guys, how's it going? I hope you're having a great day. I am so far today, and I see the internet being as usual. Happy self. Anyway, uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour, and this is California Haunts Radio. Um, I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California, and we are 45 strong up and down the state. What does that mean? That means that if you think you might have a paranormal issue going on, whether it's ha- having to do with UAPs or anything like that, or ghosts or whatever you think you might have, we can get to you. It might take us a while because California is a big state, but uh, we can definitely get to you and help you out. How do you find us? Well, we're on Facebook under California Haunts. You can find it under my name on, on Facebook. You can find us over on Instagram, and I'm going to give you the links to this. So uh, Instagram, I'm Ghosty Gal, all lowercase. Uh, you can find us over at Twitter at under Cal Haunts. You can find us on TikTok under California Haunts, and that's all lowercase. You can also find us on Twitch. So there's multiple ways to find us. Now, if you're watching from YouTube, which a lot of which a lot a lot of you do, there's a little ghost in the bottom right hand corner. I'm getting good at aiming for this thing. There's a little ghost in the bottom right hand corner with a magnifying glass and a Sherlock Holmes hat on. And that little ghost, if you click on him, he a little subscribe button will pop up. And if you haven't already subscribed, it's a good chance to subscribe if, if you like what you see today. Because I have more than 520 videos over there of all varying topics. I'm a journalist, and I don't like to cover straight paranormal stuff. I like to vary it. Like when, like, like we're going to have a show on on um, psychosis and people coming up here, you know. So I like to vary it. So I'm sure there's something in there that you like. It's, there's a little something in there for everybody, you know, likes. That being said also... That if you like what you see today, you know, no matter where you're watching from, be sure to hit that like button. And like, a, and if you haven't followed me already on Facebook, that'd be a good chance to do that as well. Okay, that was a mouthful. So my guests tonight, um, I'm going to let them introduce themselves and everything because you know how I screw names up and I do all that. But they have a very interesting story to tell, and not only, uh, not only about what you know what happened when they were abducted but there's stuff that they do now that's really really cool and uh, we're, we're going to get into talking about that too so let me bring them in the chat room and here we go good evening hello, hello. <laughs> thank you tell us about you guys um okay <laughs> where, where should we start um i'm i'm cyan this is this is paul um i got the name right you you did get the name right (laughs) yep (laughs) we uh goodness we're um well we you know we try and you know try and describe these things uh, as accurately as you can but it's always a bit tricky we we say that we are lifelong contactees of uh, extraterrestrial contact um we're both deep trance mediums we work with spirit people for a very long time um some people call it call it natural mediumship um goodness what else do we do <laughs> uh, i like to paint <laughs> um pulls into all sorts of things as well so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um yeah we're, we're mediums and we work with spirits we've also had a lot of contact with et yeah um we and teach 
we teach as well. So, and I'm also what's called a public medium. So, I will sit uh, in trance states in public, and uh, often the Zetas will talk to, to the public as well through myself. Uh, so, there's a lot, lot to the story. A little bit difficult to sort of condense it all into 30 seconds. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Well, let's talk about your abduction because. Um, if, if, if I read your background correctly, you guys met on the ship or no? Yeah, that, that's right. Um, we, we don't use the word abduction, um, okay. not anymore. Um, at, at the beginning of the contact for both of us uh, individually, um, sometimes it may have felt like that mm. because we didn't understand uh, what was going on. Um, but these days... No, no longer abduction, it's contact, connection and contact. relationship. Okay. Um, Good to know. Yeah, I mean, just, just like anybody else going through things they don't understand, we, we fear what we don't understand, it's a natural response. Okay. But uh, we, we did meet on craft um, very, very long time ago when, yeah. when I was, we've had two instances of meeting on craft a long time ago. I was four at one stage, four, around four years old, and around eight to nine years old the second time. The thing was, so was Paul at that time as well. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, when we first met uh, in person, uh, normally here on Earth, um, we, didn't, we didn't recognize each other at all because of course it's, we're not the same age on this planet. Um, and so you can imagine there's a little bit of confusion there. Um, but they're, they're both very long stories and, and I'm happy to go into them if, if you like. Absolutely. I mean, I'm fascinated by the thought that you met twice, you know, that you don't hear that. Plus being a child, being abducted, what, what, what's it? I mean, I've heard a lot of adults. I'm sorry, I'm going to use the word. I'm sorry. That's okay. Okay. Being a child and being contacted. Okay. Um, yeah. What was it like? I mean, because you're looking at it through a child's eyes to do that, because a lot of the stuff you hear is from adults primarily. So this is really fascinating. So for me, um, my contact, cognizant contact, was when I was five years old. Um, I was often taken out of the, the house at night, um, taken up onto craft, and it became normal. And when I was dropped back into the front yard after being on craft, I basically would just stand there crying saying don't leave me here i don't want to stay i want to go back home this went on for years and years i never felt in any way that i was being abducted there was only one time in my life when i was 28 i woke up uh, to go to work it was dark i got dressed um, in the dark and it was sort of dim so i could see what i was doing i put my shirt on you know buttoned it up and went to walk outside into the kitchen and reached out for the light switch and I heard a noise behind me and I turned and there was this little two-foot-tall alien standing in the corner. I didn't know it was an alien. I thought it was a demon. And it lunged at me and jumped onto my left arm. And uh, I used to work as a labourer, so I was pretty strong. I used to shovel concrete. And so uh, I didn't think it was a problem, although I was a bit terrified. Next thing I know, I looked to my right Another being jumped up, so I had one on each arm now. And uh, I thought, well, I've got this. It's not too bad, even though I was pretty scared. And then a third one lunged at me, 
uh, legs around the neck, hands on the head. I went down screaming into a big heap and blacked out. Woke up in bed and thought, whoa, what a rotten dream that was. And uh, stood up to get dressed and realised I was fully dressed, but my shirt was on backwards. So I realised then that that I was having something going on. I had no idea what it was. You know, there was no real internet. Well, there was no internet. Uh, There was no way to really research any of this phenomenon. There was no one to talk to. And so I spent many, many years trying to work through that contact. So... For me, being on craft as a child was a delight. I used to love meeting all of the other children. I met Cyan on craft. I knew all the beings very well. And so when Cyan or any child was scared, I used to get stand between the, the Zetas or the, the beings mm. and the children and get everybody just to be calm. Yeah. How did they treat you? You know, Bork, I know, probably, you know, as a kid, I mean, you probably were terrified of what was going on around you. What, what, and the second question I have that hooks into that, what do the Zetas look like? <laughs> um, well, I'll answer the first yeah. question. As a child, they, they understand that the mind of a child is fragile. Uh-huh. They understand that uh, you know, the mind of a child is vulnerable. Mm. Um, and they did what they do for most children is is to protect that mind as much as they possibly can in the contact experiences and they do that in a variety of, of different ways but one way they they do that is with screen memory technology or screen memories as people refer to them you may have heard um, a lot of people talk about seeing owls and deer and then they suddenly see a spaceship you know mm-hmm. the extraterrestrials they generally try to um to use an image that the person finds comfortable or comforting rather than showing the way that they actually look, you know, which is, uh, which would provoke a natural human fear response. Mm. Um, And so what they do with children specifically is um, before the contact process is even realized, they would have looked in the child's mind for imagery that the child is, is very comfortable seeing. Um, and then they project that over themselves or as a standalone projection. I, I don't know the, the technical aspects of exactly how they do it. But so, so you're not, so I never saw them in their true appearance, okay. not till I was much, much older. I would see, um, I mean, it sounds really silly when I say it, but, you know, I saw a six, seven foot tall Easter bunny in, in my hallway, <laughs> you know, when they really shouldn't have been there. Um, many people talk about seeing clowns. Clowns is a very common, common one. Do you? Deer, owls, clowns, um, Sasquatch, Bigfoot, you know, um, things, things from the mind. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We've had, had, uh, you know, a contactee say that they saw Boba Fett from Star Wars, you know, because as as a child that they were absolutely immersed in the whole Star Wars landscape, as was I later on, by the way. Um, (laughs) But, you know, for them, it was Boba Fett. So, you know, it it sounds bananas when you talk about it. But then as you become an adult and you you start working Mm. through it and the more contact and connection you have with them, you begin to realize why they have done the things that they've done. We had a situation when I was younger. Um, I was with about four other people and they were all um, sort of in front of me and able to see behind me and I was standing in front of them, facing them. And um, a being materialised about seven and a half to eight feet high Mm -hmm. into the house, 
in front of everybody in broad daylight. And uh, everyone stopped talking and was looking past me, terrified. I could see the look on their face. And they said, Paul, you need to turn around. And as I did, I saw this being pan uh, standing there crouched in the doorway. And um, I thought, oh, well, I'm not going to have this. And I walked over to the being and just said, you're not welcome here. And the being disappeared. It was only years later that we found out that one of the children had probably been reading one of the um, mythology books and the extraterrestrials were able to look into the child's mind. And they thought that we as a group would accept them turning up looking like that. So they really don't have much idea in regards to how to turn up. That's why we mentioned Sasquatch before and uh, other, other entities because they're only taking imagery out of people's minds. And, and you can't tell the difference. Yeah. I have heard of that from other um, contactees too. Like a gentleman I interviewed a couple months ago said that he saw his deceased grandmother. Yeah. 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 They so they're coming that. as other images. Yeah. That's interesting to me. That's very mm -hmm. interesting to me. So when did you discover, I mean, because I've talked with, with other people who are with MUFON who have said that, you know, that they have like little playrooms for the kids, you know, mm -hmm. when the kids are aboard the ships. When did you finally come to the realization and, and see them for what they were? Uh, I always saw them for what they were. They never bothered to use uh, any screen memory technology. Uh, they mm -hmm. would be walking, uh, you know, around the house. The, as a child, you don't question this. This is the thing. Um, I would be talking to my mother about, you know, these beings or aliens or whatever. I don't even know where that word aliens came from because there was no mm -hmm. TV. I mean, I'm, now I'm giving away my age. But um, mm -hmm. from my perspective as a child, because I was brought up with them, I never, never feared them. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to remember when it was I first saw them. I don't think it was until I was in my mid-30s until I actually saw them in, in their true appearance. Yeah. Yeah. So as you got older, um, when you were taken aboard, did the stuff, like like obviously, as, as like you say, as children, they're, they're going to have fun stuff for you so, so you're not afraid. But as you yeah. got older... How did all that change? You know, how did that all all that change as far as your, your visits and, and what they had you doing? So I'd be asleep, and they would come and um, wake me up, and I'd just roll over and go back to sleep. <laughs> and next thing I know, I'd be walked out to a craft and walk on board. Uh, they'd let me walk around, and I'd see different technology. I'd see ge multiple geometric shapes on the internal skeletal structure mm -hmm. of the craft. Often there'd be other beings, like little plant beings that would you could talk to. There's technology that you can interact with. So as an adult, um, I was never taught to fly a craft, but I was allowed to interact with all their technology. Um, and they used to find it interesting uh, because I'd been, you know, with them for, since I was a child, that I was able to actually uh, work a lot of the technology as well. Uh, could bring the multidimensional symbols out of the skeletal structure and then combine them to form a function that may be to change the lighting or the temperature within a craft environment. Hmm. Fascinating. And what, what, what was the technology like? I mean, you, obviously you saw the technology, so 
So what, what was it like? Was it similar to what we have here? Is it really advanced to what, to, to what we're using here? Uh, the technology is completely different. So we're, we're moving as humans into this technology. So they mm -hmm. use a lot of holographic technologies and the holographic techs are based around things like we currently have ocular uh, for three, uh, you know, multidimensional sort of spaces, mm -hmm. but they're able to generate that uh, technology into the room and you can interact with it. Uh, that's That's the first thing. Other technologies are what's called the uh, black box technology, where they're able to place consciousness into those boxes. And in the future, humans will develop that technology that'll be called the singularity. The other type of technology is these uh, light scanning technology, where they can scan a person and work out if, you know, how is their consciousness sitting in their cellular form on the table? So. You know, obviously on board, they would teach me a lot of things. I'd be with with a lot of other uh, extraterrestrial children being taught um, a lot of different things about multidimensionality, uh, how to walk through portals, uh, how to develop uh, how to develop consciousness, and so the basically all of the technology that's on board a craft is based around consciousness because mm. the craft themselves actually are conscious entities. Here's a good, here's a question. Now, as you talk about the technologies and stuff, and I've talked about this before on other shows, they're passing that knowledge on, on to you. So what this tells me is that some of our scientists and maybe some of these people like Gene Roddenberry or even George Lucas, who are you know creating these, these fantastic space things, a lot of those ideas came from an alien race. Absolutely. And um, I, I know that it's that they are passing information on because I was asked to pass on some information to uh, specific people and I, I have done that and that information was based around uh, healing and light and sound technology so fantastic and what about the big question is did you undergo me medical exams or anything like that <laughs> mm, I, I, I definitely got recall of um yeah procedures and examinations yeah, yeah. No, and nothing scary or awful either i'll add and it was all done in a very um calm and uh, clean safe and uh, consented environment yeah um, and all at my request <laughs> so in the past when the when um people were taken on board craft they'd be, give take a plug of skin from the person and have a look at the, the cellular frequency. What is the vibration? What is the, how does it pulse? Yeah. And what they would then do, looking at all the DNA structure, is look at the consciousness of the person aligned with that and see if in some way it's out of phase or within phase. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is when they do, did the um, puncture wound in the past, they're known as scoop marks. Scoop marks. It was a bit painful, um, and so what they would do is, is, while they were doing it, they would tell you that you were being shot with an arrow in the leg. That the problem is, is that some of the screen memory technology wasn't very good in the past, and I somehow was able to um, move the technology away from my leg, but the blood came out in a straight stick. So I was looking at it; it didn't drip down my leg; it came out, and I realised that um, what was taking place wasn't actually what was taking place, that it was 
um, some sort of technology, but I was only very, very young. Um, and it was only as I got older that I started to realize what, what was going on. So, yeah. Did they tell you why they do the medical tests at all? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because um, as I was uh, describing before, I look at people's consciousness and this has got to do with psychosis. So they look at people's consciousness and they see if the uh, frequency of the consciousness is resonating with the cellular uh, frequency as well. And if it's not, then what happens is, is a process uh, that I understand as psychosis, others mm -hmm. may understand it differently, occurs with the individual and often contactees are classed as being uh, unstable. So the extraterrestrials themselves are seeking, were seeking in the past methods to stabilize mm -hmm. consciousness within a human hybrid. And those hybrids were then able to function much more clearly on planet. This planet has a specific frequency called the Schumann frequency. And because of that, when um, humans um, and hybrids incarnate onto this planet, they can struggle. And uh, the Zetas were telling us that often psychosis is a method that's used uh, as an energy and the energy of the psychosis then uh, de develops in the person to actually resolve a problem. And the resolution of that means that they come out on the other side of the psychosis, a much stronger person. When you talk about the hybrids, how, how big is the hybrid program? Because I know you hear stories of almost anybody that's been, you know, con the contactee and they're always forever, you know, getting all these tests and stuff. So is the hybrid program as, as big as people think it is? When you say the hybrid program, I dissociate from the hybridization of a race. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't actually believe that that's taken place. I think it's something else. But the actual right. hybrid program where people are incarnating into human form, I'd say about 30%, if not a little more, of the people on planet are actually um, of a hybrid nature. Of consciousness. Of consciousness, yeah. Yeah, to distinguish clearly from any yeah. There's actually, yeah, because there's no need to mix any DNA from one race with another because already, as a human, all humans move into their physical form as spiritual beings, exist within their physical form, live their lives, and then move on back to wherever they've come from. Mm -hmm. all, all of that time they have available to them, all of their spiritual gifts and abilities, that they brought with them. There's no reason for any type of DNA um, mixing, slicing, combining to, at all to take place because humans already have the capacity to be very much as advanced beings mm. if they step into that process. So what um, what stood out to you the most during you know during these you know during these things that were happening to you? Mm. So, so many different things, really. I mean, um, you're in a completely different environment. I mean, it's nothing like you've experienced on this planet, on this earth, in any building you've ever been in. Um, like when when you're uh, when you're with them and you're fully conscious as a human, you have to be. Uh, they have to adjust the, their own environmental settings within their environment mm -hmm. in order to support the human. We don't breathe the same um, uh, oxygen mix as they do. We have a different 
blood uh, makeup than they do. Yeah. So they have to adjust their environment to support the human. They do that by a process of uh, compression. And when you're in that compressed environment, everything looks misty or dense and foggy yeah. um, for a start. Everything seems very slow, very, very slow. Um, it's incredibly peaceful, like uh, you're in some uh, incredible meditative state. You're, you're fully aware and cognizant of what's going on around you, but um, it's it's like being in a different. Well, you are literally in a different a different place in a different atmosphere with the beings. That that always stood out for me. That the mist in the air. I could never, I could never well, forget that. The reason is because um, the Zetas, uh, their, their oxygenation process mm. is based around what's called hemiocyanin. And it's a copper-based blood method, whereas humans use hemoglobin. Mm. Uh, it's a completely different method. And so, of course, they need to change the way that uh, a human breathes on craft as well. And that's where the, the compression comes from. Yeah. They've, um, they've given us a lot of information, like yeah. sciencey, technical information that's way over my head. I, I just, you know, play with colour on canvas. Um, <laughs> We've had, you know, one of the, the main books was written by or co-written by a scientist and he took the information that the Zetas passed through, Paul, mm -hmm. and um, created a big old fat book called The Primer of the Zeta Race. It's We've it's been given a, giving it away free for yes. nearly 10 years now and anyone yeah. can download it. It's a PDF document cool. off the website and it talks about all, all these, of, this, all yeah. of it in, in a fair bit of sciencey detail if, if that's the way your mind likes to to absorb information mm. now what do the zetas look like uh from our perspective when we see them there's mm. lots of different so if there's 63 races to the species 62 of them are different than the last one we the last one we call the greys and the abductors and generally oh. those sort of gray looking beings have the the fa facial protrusion that comes out with the, the Zetas, their faces are very, very flat and massive black eyes, but two little holes and a slit. Um, they don't have teeth. They've got um, this sort of uh, fibrous type um, process within their mouth rather than teeth. Um, they're very, very graceful, very long arms, three fingers. A lot of people have started to, to see them with three fingers mm. and probably a very small thumb. but. Uh, for us, we've, we've noticed that with a lot of the different races, they all look different. We, we know the races and how um, they relate to humans. So just as um, humans, you may have a job that you perform a function, a race will perform a function. And so races may be an ethical race or a technological race mm -hmm. or a biological race. Yeah, we've, we've, we've tried to name them so we yeah. we remember who's who. <laughs> There's so many of them. But they all have a different skin colour. Even within one species, they yeah. have a full range of, of colour of their and, skin. And height. And height, yeah. yeah, yeah. We've, well, you've seen them at two foot. Yeah, right, two foot. Right the way through to four se foot, seven foot. Five foot, foot seven foot. Yeah. yeah, skins ranged from a... White all Clear the way through white to black. To yeah. black. Yeah. We've seen browns, bronzes, orangey Blue. reds. Yeah. It's variable. Olive greens, very variable. Now, are you still being contacted? Yeah. yeah. They uh, showed themselves a week ago. 
Yeah, we had um, we had visitors over from uh, overseas, and they they wanted to sit with Paul and speak to the Zetas, and mm-hmm. uh, which they did on two occasions. And on the second occasion, the energy was was right in the room, and they they showed themselves. They clearly projected a three D uh, solid uh, image of themselves. Do you think? Okay, because you know, you were you were you were taken when you were young. Do you think that your uh, that your mediumship abilities came from them or did you already have your mediumship abilities? Well, the thing is with any type of contact, what people will notice is is that they'll start to see spirits and they'll start to see energies and distortions around themselves. And generally what happens is we call this the phenomenon. Uh, If a person allows themselves to grow into the experience of the phenomenon, consciously you already have all the abilities but it's your fear or the fear of experiencing the phenomenon that holds people back. I um, spent many years astral traveling and trying to make contact with them. And over the years, it it took a lot of work, but I was able to work through my fear. uh, And then, yeah, I guess, teach myself to contact them. So we work with spirits more than we would work with extraterrestrials. Uh, we see spirits, uh, what's called um, objective mediumship, and both of us uh, work in what's called uh, physical energy. And so, you know, we've got a lot of stories of contact with spirits and mm. uh, floating heads and all those sorts of things yeah. and voices in the house. And... Now, Cyan, you do some kind of art, right? Some kind of artwork. Can you tell me about yep. that? <laughs> well, that, that's, uh, that's one of my favourites behind me. Um, yeah, I... I'm not a uh, professionally taught artist. I did archaeology as a, for a career for many, many decades. Um, but I always loved to paint, always loved to paint. And um, so, you know, a, ho- a hobby. And what I found is um, when the extraterrestrials started coming to me in, the, in that sitting process, so instead of the spirits coming, I had the extraterrestrials coming instead. Um, they also started working with me when I was painting. And so I, I would be painting and realizing I, I wasn't quite all there. I was, you know, like in a daydream, painting in a daydream, if you like. And what I realized was that the, the energy of the beings was kind of being channeled through me as I painted and that the, the paintings that were created, um, although I, I had control over the imagery that was being produced to some extent contained energy and people would feel this energy when they they looked at them or touched the paintings um i had no idea that was going on until people started reacting to them i've i've had people just cry in front of my paintings, mm. you know, because of the energy that's within them. Um, I feel like they're going home. Yeah, it, it, it's a really um, an incredible phenomena that I never expected to happen. I didn't even know it was possible, but it, it's happened. And so I, I still work with them uh, to do that uh, for, for people wanting uh, a connection process, like in their meditation, for instance. Oh. They, they'll take the imagery um, and they'll meditate with the imagery in their mind with the painting in front of them and, and it kind of acts as a an enhancement to their meditation process to help them connect to their own race. So it's a lovely process to be able to do for mm-hmm. people. 
That art's beautiful. I've, I've been looking at it the whole time. I'm looking in between you guys. Looks like I'm looking at you, but I'm looking, you know. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, it's calling out to me. Okay. I don't mean to like that, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I think it's beautiful. Thank you. So, um, Paul, you communicate with them regularly, right? Yeah, that's correct, yes. And how do you do that? Um, well, once I got past the fear of, of them and the way they looked and the energy, mm -hmm. uh, the difference between us and their frequency is uh, it's quite distinct. And so yeah. when they come, what happens is initially a, a lot of people sort of end up being burnt mm -hmm. uh, in, unintentionally. Uh, mm -hmm. It's as if you've walked towards a craft and you've become burnt or something. And I sat for many, two, two to three years, every every day, waiting for them. And then they would start coming. And after about two minutes, they'd leave. And then I'd notice that I was all red down the side of my face. And over a period of years, I was able to extend the time that they could come uh, as energy. Mm -hmm. And when they felt I was ready, uh, it was about 20 minutes, they asked that I bring a group of people uh, to sit around me mm. and then they started showing themselves uh, through transfiguration to people and talking. Mm. Uh, initially, I was uh, very uncomfortable with the process. I didn't know what that had even really meant because I was so young, you know, as a young adult. And um, But as I got older, I became more comfortable with the process. They then taught me how to contact them clearly uh, using uh, certain breathing techniques uh, rather than trying to sort of use any other technique. And in doing so, I was able to teach Cyan that same process and they speak through her as well now. So why did they give you this ability or why do you think they're allowing it? That's a really good question. I, I think that that everybody has an ability it's whether you're willing to face yourself mm -hmm. and if you're willing to to develop and uh, face your fears and your uh, developmental pathway it's like shamanic work often people will go through seven years of shadow work and so with the the extraterrestrial contact not just leaders but it would be any race so i would make that assumption it is only an assumption that uh, people would have an ability to develop. And we know that when people incarnate, they bring with them all of their um, symbols uh, that they use as references to knowledge, communication and power. And those symbols that they bring with them are only released to the person once they start to develop. Their first symbol is then showed to them. They'll see that symbol and they'll the energy of the symbol will start to disseminate itself through their ability, through their consciousness, and the person may become a healer or a communicator. Mm. It doesn't really matter what it is. Once the first symbol's been resolved in the person, the second symbol then manifests. And all these symbols are brought with us as humans uh, from spirit realm and from extraterrestrial races uh, when we um, incarnate into the physical form. And that way, we can um, use our abilities to support humanity as a species. Now, do they believe in the spirit realm at all? 
Uh, they know that it exists. They don't need a spirit realm. They don't need to use a spirit realm. They know that spirit realm exists for the human species, mm. but um, for themselves, they don't need a spirit realm because they're able to leave their physical bodies and move into consciousness. And because consciousness is infinite and exists in all places, they can move anywhere. So they can move from where they physically are in, and then leave their physical form and come to this space or this planet or any planet and then using the matter, the fine matter in the air, they can repopulate their consciousness and show themselves in distortions and forms mm. uh, to the human eye. But it also means that they can, when, when their uh, their physical body is nearing its uh, sell-by date, they can just populate a new body by mm. their consciousness. They don't need to go to spirit a spirit realm like we do to reincarnate yeah. back down. It's all fascinating. Have they told you anything about the future for Earth? Yeah, yeah. So, um, interestingly, uh, Ray Kurzweil has talked about the singularity in 2045. And the Zetas have also, many years ago, started to talk about how technology will um, start to embed itself within humans. Uh, we are starting to see now a shift in um, the AI technologies on planet here. We're also seeing other technologies like nanotechnology being used as well. Mm. And so the Zetas have said that in the future, probably about 2030, 2040, uh, there'll be a, um, a split in humanity and there'll be uh, the humans that want to abide by their own abilities, by their own consciousness, mm -hmm. by their own gifts. And other people will want to use embedded technology to um, display those gifts, such as telepathy or... Uh, communication, healing. How do you feel about them? Now, you know, okay, as a kid, how did it make you feel when you were taken, as opposed to being an adult and being taken? I uh, I used to love being on craft. I mean, as a child, you know, you you get given things to do, little tasks. Uh, you get to see things that. And the thing is, as a child, you don't know the difference. You think that everybody is experiencing this. You see the other children on the craft, you're, and you believe that everybody is going through this. Mm -hmm. And so you can't differentiate between yourself and anyone else. It's only then when you speak to an adult as a child and realise that the adults are saying, well, that's not true, that's just all you know, in your mind, that you start to go, well, I won't tell them what I'm doing because they don't understand anyway. Mm -hmm. But as an adult, um, it's a much more cognitive experience. Yeah, they def as I said, they definitely um, protect the mind of, of most children. Yeah. I, the children I remember being on board with were not in the same place as, uh, as you were in terms of of how comfortable they were with what was going on. Although, you know, it was all absolutely fine and everyone was being very well cared for. I, I was um, frightened, you know, on, on a few occasions just because I was in a different environment. I had no idea where I was, um, even though nothing, nothing was happening uh, that was, you know, not nice. <laughs> um, but I didn't, I don't, I didn't recall that was, in, for me, that was hidden behind the screen memory. 
So I'd recall certain, I'd have conscious recall of certain elements of it, like seeing the rabbits or the deer. Um, but I wouldn't get to understand what had actually taken place until I was an adult. Mm. So it was like the screen memories just dropped and you suddenly relived the entire experience, like your your mind had been on pause for all those years. Very interesting. But it, although I do remember the rabbits, I, I remember them from at the time, but it, it's like your, you, your mind has been told to accept that it's completely normal, even though it's really not normal seeing seven-foot rabbits in your, in, your, in your hallway. At that point, at that age, for me, it was like, yeah, this is completely normal. I was so comfortable. But they do that now with adults. Yeah, they do. They do it with, with adults. An adult That's may right. look out the window and see yeah, a deer standing the deer. there, mm. but there are no deer in that area. But it'll be absolutely normal for you to believe that you're seeing a yeah. deer, but or it's not a deer. A classic one is, you know, uh, it's raining. You, yeah. you look outside and you think it's pouring with rain, and it's really not pouring, pouring with rain no at rain. all. They're just doing something to distract your mind. <laughs> This, the, I find, like I said, I find this tremendously fascinating. I think I've, I, I think I've been taken. I'm not positive. I had a major lost time thing happen to me on the freeway once, so uh, I, I suspect I've been taken. But uh, I've, I've never been regressed or anything like that to find out, you know, whether or not it's true. That's why listening to stories like yours, I'm just totally, you know, drawn yeah. into it. Missing so, time is really interesting. Um, we've actually had a. A wonderful um, display of missing time ourselves. Uh, we yeah. um, had an afternoon nap and we woke up and the clock said um, three o'clock, I believe. Oh, something like two minutes past. Two oh, minutes yeah. past three, and yeah. we uh, got up and went and watched TV and everything, and went back and I actually checked the clock two, at least three or four times just to make sure that the the clock was telling me the right time, and I don't, I don't normally do that. And then both Cy and I walked back in and looked at the clock an hour later, and it was now two minutes past three. Yeah. So we'd lost an hour. Well, we, it's like we gained an hour. Well, we gained an hour of time. And then time. we lost it. Very and then we strange. lost it. It was very, it was very mm. strange. And we asked the Zetas why it happened. They said that, that, that we had both never had a missing time incident, but mm -hmm. they wanted us to experience what it would be like, mm -hmm. but to remember that you'd had missing time. Yeah, or to, to re recall the time imbalance or yeah. the time difference. Yeah. It's very strange. That's my, that's my next question is, what what is time like for them as opposed to time for us? Yeah. Time for them is um, different. So they see time as organic and elastic. They see mm -hmm. time as um, something that you can uh, mould and change. That mm. uh, when... Um, one second goes past for you, 10 seconds may go past for them. So I'm standing here, I look up, I see a craft, and within that uh, one second, uh, next thing it's over there, and it's gone, you know, whatever, thousands of kilometres. But for them, because they're able to manipulate space-time compression, for them, 10, 20 seconds could have gone past. So they actually did actually travel across to that space. But for us, because we're in a different space-time uh, process, um, we just see it as them moving from one place to another or shifting in different, you know, patterns, this sort of thing. Um, 
they definitely don't understand time the way that a human would they see that we um, experience time in a very limited fashion mm -hmm. and the way that they showed it to me have you ever seen a plasma ball they've got gas mm -hmm. in them when you turn them on they little tendrils of light come out yes. Yes. they said if you imagine that you're the person in the middle and all the tendrils that come out of it into the globe are each of the timelines you exist on then that's actually you living what's called an asynchronous environment and that you're existing at all all times all spaces on infinite timelines and when i started to explain it that way i was able to understand um, how timelines work um when you would go aboard, like, like you said, they, they, they would show you their technology. Like you said, you didn't get to fly or anything, but as you said, you were playing with some of the stuff. What did some of that stuff do that you were playing with? They showed me a, um, what looked like a, 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 this is crazy when I say this, this doorway um, was just like a normal door, but it was undulating and buckling in and out, and it was made of colour, and so it had streams of colour that would run down and they would try to convince me that I could step into it. But even as a child, because I would look through, but I wouldn't stick my head in, I never would. So they would bring in a small child my height that was actually an extraterrestrial. And the little child would step through the doorway and then come back. But they couldn't convince me ever to step through. They were trying to teach me about multidimensionality to stepping from one, one space to another. Um, I got to play with the doorway a fair bit, but I was never actually game because it was a very interesting thing to look at. It looked like the colour was water and it would run down the door, but it was um, all electric, electric blues and reds and yellows. And so I would spend a lot of time just watching it. Like you, I guess you would like the old lava lamps, you know, you sit there and watch them sort of move all up and down. Uh, I guess... It's more about the, the, the things that you do on craft are more about communication from their perspective. Mm -hmm. You may walk over to one of the windows that, that, that are in a craft and they don't have windows like we see them, but you're able to see through, through the side of a craft and you'll see this planet, but from a long way away and you're able to observe uh, the planet as it rotates. You're able to see different planets. So the technology means that you're allowed to look through a window or the technology means that you're allowed to uh, activate a certain type of technology that could to be to do with stepping through portals. It's got nothing really to do with earth toys. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you say to people that are currently being taken, to, you know, to help calm them down a little bit? Yeah. Um, I say to people, and so Cyan and I spend a lot of time uh, talking to people that are being contacted or mm -hmm. they believe taken. Uh, it's a very, very um, confusing time for them and there's a lot to it. Mm -hmm. Initially, they'll just have an inkling that something's going on. Uh, they may try to work through some of the issues, but... There's so many levels of screen memory technologies, it's very hard to, to do that. We spend time mm -hmm. uh, mentoring a lot of different people and sorting through their contact. We do a, pro uh, a process called understanding your contact. And so we say to those people, you've, you've, 
been having contact for a long time, but you've never been able to work out what's going on. Um, but there is something going on and it actually makes sense on some level to you, but you may not be willing to accept that at this point in time. Mm. And so it's about working through each of their individual experiences. What is taking place? Where is your missing time? What are your screen memories? Um, how, uh, how big is the narrative that you've been given around uh, what you've experienced? An example would be, um, when some people step onto a craft, they see glass tubes mm -hmm. or they're handed a baby to hold or they're shown how to drive a craft. These are just narratives that the extraterrestrials give humans to keep the human mind amused. And so if a person's experiencing that, that they're part of a program or that uh, they have a mission or something, then, of course, we need to look behind that. And, and how do we do that? is through talking with people, letting them give their experience, you know, in a safe space, because a lot of people feel that they can't mm -hmm. talk to anybody because they'll be judged for what they're saying. Yeah. But you need to be able to know that, that, you know, that you can talk to somebody and they're not going to look at you like you're crazy. Yeah. It, I think we're in a very different place now where we, yeah. than where we were even two years ago with being able to sort of discuss matters of, extraterrestrial contact and all that's associated with it you know um take it back 20 years and you could hardly say a word take yeah. it back 60 years and you know you'd likely just be locked up <laughs> so it's uh we find we're finding that more and more people are coming forward especially um older generation people who have spent their entire life keeping it all to themselves never understanding what was going on or what may still be going on. Um, and, you know, just relieved that they can actually share these experiences now and not be absolutely ridiculed for it, yeah. you know. And we get a lot of people that say, you know, pr prove to me that this exists. Mm -hmm. um, well, firstly, this is a very large area. And, you know, if a person's asking us to prove to them that they're experience exists we're not going to do that yeah. it's up to a person to work out for themselves what's going on but with a little bit of support mm -hmm. um i think that the uh, extraterrestrial contact uh, process and narrative is highly complex mm -hmm. if it was easy i think that people would already understand it but because the phenomenon that's associated with extraterrestrials is so powerful in regards to the distortions of fabric and energy, the astral realm, uh, the um, servitors or the images that are seen in astral, the spirit people that are associated with the phenomenon as well that come from spirit realm. I think that it, it takes a long time for people to get to a point where they have some of the pieces of the puzzle that they're able to put together to create an accurate picture. So what's next for you guys? Wow. Okay. Well, we've, we've got a few things uh, <laughs> going on. And uh, one of them is that we could be going to the States next year. Yeah. Yeah. Plans are in, in progress for a visit over to yeah. demonstrate and run workshops and teach the various methods of contact, like heterodyning that yeah. Paul does. Uh -huh. So, yeah, there's a few things. And we often talk at UFO uh, 
what are they yeah. called? Conferences? Conferences, or, yeah. So we've got one coming up in Sydney uh, later yeah. on this year. We've got uh, one more local to, to us where we are. Uh, that's, next, that's in a few months' time. Yeah. Um, but generally, our, our days are spent with, with talking with people yeah. and, uh, you know, sort of helping them through their, their experiences, regardless of whether they're extraterrestrial or, or spirit-based. And a lot of people read the books that, that are free. <clears throat> There's two of them that are free, and they that brings up a lot of different questions for mm. them as well. So we answer yeah. a lot of emails from people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. And how can people contact you? All the information is on our website, uh, zetaconnection.com. Um, if people go there, they can find the books that we've talked about. They can find our, our email address. Um, they can subscribe to a, a newsletter that we try to send out once Every a week, week as well. Yeah, and to YouTube. Yeah, uh, we have the YouTube channel where I think we've got over 50 videos now yeah. of containing information about extraterrestrial contact, Q&A with people. Um, that we do point people to have a good look at because it answers so many questions mm. for a lot of people and get a lot of answers there. Yeah. Great. Well, I want to thank you guys for coming on. I really appreciate it. I learned so much tonight. <laughs> thank you thank as well. You We've enjoyed it. I'd like to get you on, you know, later on down the line, talk more to you because, I mean, there's so much more we could talk about. One hour oh, just I isn't enough to cover it, you know. That's right. Yeah, we'd love to come back. And we've got all of our spirit stories as well. <laughs> yeah, we haven't even touched Which on we that. haven't yeah, even touched there there yet. So let's do that. Let's plan on that. But uh, thank you so much. And I'll be in touch to set you guys up again, okay? Thank okay, you. thank you very much. Take care. All right, you have a good one. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, I learned so much from them, and I do hope they do come back on because there's there's it's not just about the alien encounters they've had. It's about other stuff that they're doing and the work they're doing out in the community to help people, like like they were talking, to help people learn about these these encounters that you may be having, I may be having, things like that. Plus their 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 work that they do as mediums. Okay. Anyway, uh, tomorrow we're back on the air at six thirty p.m. Pacific, and um, I'm looking forward to our guest tomorrow. Again, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We are equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. And again, if you haven't done so already and you are watching on the YouTube page, shoot me shoot me a like. Show me some love, you know. Show me some love and subscribe if you haven't done that. Same thing with Facebook and all those. But anyway, I will see you tomorrow, and I hope you have a great rest of your evening. And uh, let me get this queued up. Push my buttons, and uh, I'll see you.